When Jesus takes a few loaves and a couple of fish given to him by a child, nobody expects what will happen next. After all, there are thousands of hungry people there. How could he possibly feed them all? Welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. It's brilliant to have you with us today. If we haven't met yet, I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. If you find our time together helpful, then please don't forget to like and subscribe or pop over to our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk to find out what we do, how you can get involved and how you can give generously to help our work here in our community. The COVID regulations here in Scotland have changed again with a move down to level zero, which means we still have some restrictions in place. The level of distancing in church has dropped from two metres to one metre, which obviously means we can fit more people in. And we are now also allowed to sing, which I know lots of you have been missing. So from Sunday the 1st of August, we plan to implement these changes, including reopening our balcony area. You still need to wear face masks and we need to take your name and contact number for track and trace. We're using the side door at the front to enter the church and if there are people waiting, then we use the ramp for the queue. So please, if you feel able, come and join us. But also please be assured that our online worship will continue. We have absolutely no plans to stop it. In fact, we're thinking about ways that we can make it better and add more content. Today, I'm delighted to be joined in leading worship by Anne and Jim Cowan. Anne will read for us today and later Jim will lead us in prayer. Today's reading is from John chapter 6, verses 1 to 21. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside, and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, 
withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When the evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waves grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The miracle of multiplication. The feeding of the 5,000 is perhaps surprisingly the only miracle to feature in all four Gospels. And it's always important to pay attention to which Gospel we're in. Today we explore what the writer of John's Gospel has to tell us about it. John's Gospel is different from the other three in some very particular ways. It's much more of an attempt to tell us who Jesus is rather than giving us a day-to-day account of what Jesus did. So let's go searching for some clues. One of the things the writer of John's Gospel does is to tell us when things happen, often pairing events with the religious festivals that happen throughout the year to help us to understand what's happening in a much bigger context. This miracle happened when the festival of the Passover was near. The Passover was the most important festival. The one where the people remembered the story of the liberation from slavery in Egypt. It's the foundational story of the nation of Israel. The Hebrew slaves cry out to God to save them, to grant them their liberation, and God hears their cry. But their escape isn't perhaps what they had anticipated. They had to pack in a hurry, to eat a strange meal of roasted goat. They had to pack in a hurry and eat a strange meal of roasted lamb while they painted their doorposts with the lamb's blood to mark them for safety as the angel of death passed over them. In the morning, when the horror of what had happened became clear, they had to leave. They crossed the Reed Sea and into the wilderness. And that's not really what they were expecting. It took them a long, long time to work out how to live together, but also to get to know God and to learn that God was there with them. Part of the story of that time we read in the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers tells us that during their time in the wilderness, God moved from the mountain where Moses met him into what was called the tent of the presence, right in the middle of the camp. God moved from being remote and distant to the centre of their lives. And that's where John's gospel picks up with Jesus. The word became flesh. And moved into the neighbourhood. God here with us in the person of Jesus. The idea of God being present is at the very heart of John's Gospel. And this miracle of bread is one of the most important parts. Jesus has just returned from the other side of the lake. And the people are desperate. They follow him and Jesus recognises their need. Both spiritually and physically. They need to be healed and cared for, and that includes food to eat. So he asked Philip where they will get enough bread to feed all these people. Of course, he's pulling Philip's leg. 
there's no supermarket or bakery nearby. And even if there was, they don't have the money to buy enough. And no baker could produce enough loaves anyway. The numbers are huge. 5,000 is only the main, so it's at least double that. What happens next is really important. A small boy offers what he has. Five small barley loaves and some fish. It's the kind of offer that only a child would make. The grown-ups are already seeing all the problems. We don't have enough. We can't afford to buy enough. Where would we get that much anyway? But the boy takes what he has and gives it to Jesus. It's the same lesson the people learned in the wilderness. Trust. God will provide. The thing we so often overlook in this part of the story is that the boy trusts Jesus. He has way more faith that Jesus will be able to look after them than all the grown-ups have. But then, it's also typical childlike behaviour. Apparently I went to a boys' brigade camp when I was in junior section. I must have been about eight, I think. My cousin Craig was also there, and Craig hadn't brought any clean socks. So I gave him mine. Obviously, I now had no clean socks too, but that didn't seem to have been an issue. It's the kind of things that kids do all the time. They see a need and they respond. And we grow out of that. And that's a shame. Jesus takes the small offering, gives thanks to God and gives them out. This is one of the small ways that this telling of the story is different from the other three Gospels. It's not the disciples who share the bread, it's Jesus himself. And I say that in a very deliberate way. It's Jesus himself. That for the writer of John's Gospel is the central point of this. This isn't just a story about bread. It's a story about Jesus sharing himself with the people. As we read John's Gospel, there's something missing. There's no Last Supper. When Jesus and the disciples gather in the upper room to celebrate this same festival, the Passover, Jesus washes their feet. There's no talk of bread and wine. In John's Gospel, the wine comes in the first sign at the wedding in Cana where Jesus turns the ritual waters into the best wine and there's more than enough for everyone. And now we have bread shared, shared with all the people and there are 12 baskets left over. An abundance, one basket for each of the nations, the, the 12 tribes of Israel, enough for everyone without exception. This is about God being present in the middle of the people, sharing himself with them. This is my body given for you. Take, eat, taste and see that the Lord is good. The implications are huge. And Jesus has to leave in a hurry because the people want to take him and install him as king. And why not? After all, they had no king in the wilderness. They had a God. A God who looked after them and that was more than enough. But we have two miracles this week. Jesus walks on the water. The second miracle is to emphasise the first. The disciples still didn't really understand what had just happened. They didn't get that it was more than a miracle of bread. It was about who Jesus is. So when Jesus comes walking on the water they get a much better idea. After all, who could do that? I love what Jesus says to them. It's I, don't be afraid. 
that's some pretty important translation going on there and it's not quite right and that's strange because John's gospel as well as having all these signs to help us to see who Jesus is also has what we call the I am statements where Jesus says I am I am the good shepherd I am the gate or the way and the truth and the life I am is the name of God and this is one of those moments it is I should be it is I am And that doesn't make any grammatical sense in English, so it gets lost in translation. But Jesus is telling the disciples, I am God. And he's doing it in a way that they should recognise from these stories and their own scriptures. God was initially known to the people as Yahweh. And Yahweh was the storm God. God was in the cloud on the mountain. God went before the people as a pillar of cloud in the day and fire in the night. For Jesus to come to them in a storm makes perfect sense. He does something else that God does. He passes by. Something God does to Moses and to Adam and Eve in the garden. God passes them by. God shows himself. And that's the whole point. God is with us. Here. Now. Present to all of us. So do not be afraid.
Jesus is here Calling disciples Teaching the way of the cross Jesus is here Giving His Spirit Breathing new life into us Jesus, you're the living promise God has come among us Full of grace and truth Savior, shining in the darkness Prayer of Thanksgiving and Intercession God of miracle, provider of daily bread, word of life and love, we thank you for the gift of your Son Jesus, the living bread broken and shared for all. We thank you that even the crumbs of our lives and of our labours are useful to you in the service of your kingdom. We thank you for the endless overflowing grace that knows no bounds even as we seek to limit it through our bad choices. Lord God, as you heard the cries of your people in the wilderness and fed them bread from heaven, as we remember how Jesus nourished your people with words of justice and compassion, hear us today as we pray for our world. We pray for those whose daily need for food, clean water and proper shelter goes unmet and for those misusing what they have in the vain pursuit of pleasure. Feed them with a sense of justice and fairness that they might stand firm in their right to a decent life for all people now. We pray for those whose lives have been broken by violence and crime, conflict and struggle. Feed them with courage and anticipation of a life beyond the barriers which hold them back. We pray for those who are sick or sorrowing, or those who care for and console them. We pray especially for those we know personally who are facing difficulties at this time and who we name in a time of silence. Fill them, Lord, with your healing presence and remind them of your promises. We pray for those who have lost faith in themselves and in you and who struggle to find meaning in life. Focus their eyes on you, Lord, and give them hope for a new day. We pray for ourselves that we might be filled with energy to serve you better in our daily living, and that we might, even in our doubt, be reminded that you will never turn away or abandon us. May we also look to you as the one who gives us life. All this we ask in Jesus' name. All these things we pray on your holy name, who taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. As we go from this place into the many places of our daily lives, may we act with justice, walk with integrity, and remain in faithfulness to God, the strength and delight of our souls. And may the blessing of God, creator, source and spirit, be with us all, today and always.